When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another Fan Critical Podcast, where we're going to be covering Annihilation, um, the latest film from Alex Garland, the sci-fi, so you can hear John there, the uh, sci-fi, I'd say quickly becoming sci-fi guru that is Alex Garland, uh, responsible for a lot of great science fiction films uh, in the last decade or so. Um, and we're going to be covering the straight-to-Netflix release here in the UK of Annihilation. Uh, this is just a quick spoiler warning. We're going to be uh, discussing the film Annihilation. I'm also going to be throwing in little kernels of information from the books. Nothing major, really. Just talking about how the film sort of diverges and forges its own path. Um, and I would highly recommend that uh, people go check out the books because it's always good to check out the source material. Today, I'm joined by Lucy. Hello. And uh, I'm also joined by John. Hello. I'd like to start with um, your guys' thoughts on the film. I enjoyed it, but it did frighten me, which is also, you can be a good thing, but yeah, I think my reaction to it was positive. We'll go into sort of the ins and outs, obviously, throughout the podcast, but yes, good film from me. If you watch a film um, where a film like this, where you know characters are going to get bumped off as as you go, I didn't really care that any of them were being killed. Um, oh, spoiler warning! Um, I just did, I didn't resonate with any of the characters, and and I guess the only kind of um, the only character that you could give a shit about in um, in Lena's character, Natalie Portman. I mean, that goes out the window when she's fucking some other guy. So it's kind of like, I just, I don't know. For the most part, I'm just kind of sitting there going, oh, I'll just all die. I don't even care. I mean, it, it, it's a miserable film. It's just so miserable. That's an interesting take on it, actually, John. You'd say it's say it's a miser- miserable film. Well, it is. I, I just I just think it's depressing. And, and, that, and that's not to say normally... Um, and I've said this before with uh, with other films. I, I quite like something that's a little bit more uh, grounded in in reality. Not everything works out, 
But this, it's just like, this is depressing, man. I mean, all right, I watched it with my breakfast. And there are some bits that are just disgusting. But, so that, maybe that annoyed me more than usual. But, I mean, it's just depressing. I, I just found it depressing to watch. Um, well, it's such an interesting um, thing that you would say, it's a very interesting point that you would say this film is miserable. I think this film has a lot of beauty in it. Um I would say that even the disgusting parts that you just described are very beautiful uh, in some in some respects. Like the way it uses like body horror and sort of out there science fiction um, to yeah. create these beautiful creations. Um, you know, like the flowers and all the you know the, the different refractions that will come on to you later on in the film. Obviously, there are some truly horrific moments, but yeah. I, I just think the way that it uses science you know it uses the the shimmer as this area which as and and even lena says it at the end of the film which is <clears throat> why does it why does it want to destroy everything and she says no it doesn't doesn't want to destroy everything i think it wanted to change everything and that's not necessarily a bad thing um you know as we saw there was a lot of beauty in there as well and these amazing creatures that were being created not just the horrific ones so it's a very interesting point that you thought it was miserable and disgusting um, but I can un- completely understand how you can come at it from that angle because this film is very polarizing. Um, it, it's a very polarizing film. I mean, I was blown away by it personally. I, I loved it. Um, I haven't seen something this out there in terms of the themes and what it was trying to do for a very long time. It kind of reminds me of the first time I saw Two Thousand and One, um, where I was just like, where I was just like whoa like what is happening here and and that whole end act is the way it's the same way i felt when i first time i saw 2001 years and years ago that is mental uh which is fine because the, it's opinion isn't it but uh your opinion stinks and 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 for you to say that like that breaks my heart a little bit that that you would compare something um i mean it's look this is direct to to video it's one of them ones I don't care if Netflix is 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 changing the uh, the uh, the way in which movies are released, but I mean, fucking hell! Like to to compare the impact of, and okay, I mean, you're only talking about your own personal experience rather than its impact yeah. on, on cinematic history. But I'm talking about the way it made me feel. I'm talking about just the way that it made me question what was going on whilst I was watching it so much that my head was just like what the you know like that is the sort of emotion I'm talking about yeah Um, I mean look it it was it was it was a whirlwind of just like fucking hell sense like visual sensory overload as well as trying to comprehend what was going on in the narrative trying to comprehend what this alien being was trying to comprehend its motivations same way I felt when I watched 2001 where you watch a whole film for three quarters of the film spoiler warning for 2001 and then it turns into something completely different in the last 15, 20 minutes. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And that is the way I felt about this film. I feel like there's two acts that sort of follow a very normal structure. And then all of a sudden you get to the third act and you're just blow. It's a mind bender. That's what I mean by that in terms of the way the film's structured and the way it made me question everything. Uh, okay, so I think... Arrival is a far better film than this. It's my, my favourite film of last year, John Arrival. But I guess with with Arrival, um, I still think that, that film will be forgotten in like five years. So I hope not. Well, I mean, I think it will be, but and that's not to say it's uh, 
it's a bad film. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I think that that's a well-paced film. And, you know, I, uh, and again, I, I'm not going to say anything about Arrival because people should go and watch it if they haven't. But if they have, there are twists and turns in that that really resonate. Um, not with me personally. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like, oh man, I, I feel so gutted for them. Um, and again, that's not a spoiler because it could be anything in an alien invasion movie. But with this, I just didn't care. Um, so yeah, there you go. Well, it's very, yeah, and we've got, that sounds like we've got a good uh, mixture of opinions on this film to take it forward. Because you know, if we all loved it, I think um, I think it'd be a boring podcast. But to have someone, like, I I honestly thought that you would like it, John. Do you guys know why this is a Netflix release? Do you guys know why it is a straight-to-Netflix release? And John, don't say because you didn't like it and you think it's shit. <laughs> I know that they released it in the US in the cinema, but I don't know why it was only Netflix over here. So um, basically what happened is, uh, I think the budget roughly for this film is about 40 million US dollars, which is quite meagre uh, or measly compared to a lot of the budgets out there these days. Um, and after showing the cut or one of the, cut to the studio um alex garland was asked by the studio to change the film to be more palatable for audiences um sort of a bit more of a blockbuster format you know something that people could consume easily in the cinema he refused which i think is a good thing he refused uh, to change the cut um and because of that uh because they were afraid of not making any money on the film they sold it to Netflix for 40 million US dollars, <laughs> which made them break even. Uh, the reason, uh, And it had a release in America at certain cinemas, but very, very limited release. Um, and here in the UK, it got no release and was just a straight to Netflix thing. I mean, the idea that you would make a film like this, which, all right, uh, even though I didn't necessarily buy into the characters, I mean, some, some of the uh, set pieces, I mean, look awesome. So you would want this to be seen on on the big screen, surely. Now, uh, in terms of kind of um, artistic integrity, fair play uh, to Al uh, for turning around and going, fuck this, I'm not changing it. Even if I think it's dog shit, I'm not going to change it. Much like when some of the feedback we got on this podcast was maybe less swearing. And my retort to that was, fuck off and listen to something else. <laughs> um, so, you know. <laughs> um, well, I just, I think it's good artist integrity not to change the film. It reminds me of, you know, we get this sort of thing all the time with films that, even like Blade Runner, which uh, Ridley Scott was asked to change and had to change several times to get an actual yeah. release in cinemas. And that is why we've got so many iterations of Blade Runner mm. to watch now, like the final cut, director's cut. Um because he wanted to go back and do the film the way he wanted to do it in the end, because the studio wouldn't allow him to in the first place. So there are other examples of it, uh, especially with science fiction, which at times high concept science fiction can be very hard to take in. All right, well, should we get in? Should, should we try and get into it as a team here? Yeah. Yeah. Let's enter the Shimmer as a group of an expedition. Yeah, we're the fan critical expedition about to enter the Shimmer. <laughs> our main character played by natalie portman we start with her um basically we understand that she studies the uh 
degradation of cells or cellular life on the planet that is her job she uh, and we also get to know that she also used to be in the army very useful two useful skills um two very different jobs as well um and we start with her at her house or in her normal life and we understand that her husband sergeant kane has been missing for a while like he went off on a tour somewhere he's in the army and he's missing and then lo and behold he returns. Mm. He returns to her. Luce, what did you reckon when you uh, when you first saw Kane walk in the door? Um, I somehow knew. I didn't know anything about the film, but I was like, that is not her husband. Because although, like, I don't know if you... I'm sure you must have seen flashbacks to him. And he's all got wild curly hair and he came back and his hair was all slicked back. And yeah. he was all weird. <laughs> and I was like, that's not her husband. There's something <laughs> wrong with him. He is an imposter. I just knew it. Luce, you are. We're putting you in the detective division. You, you, you spotted things I there. I deduced from his hairstyle that he was a different man. I didn't immediately think that this was a different guy. I mean, that's that's a bit of a leap. I would say if I turned up to a podcast and I just decided to slick back my hair, had you been gone for a year and you just turned up without letting us know, and you had completely different hair and a different like. You started being nice. I'd be like, that's not John. Yeah, that look, is if true. I, if I was nice and I slicked back my hair. That's because I'm having a breakdown. That doesn't mean that there's a doppelganger of me. I have to say, if you had slick back hair, I'm just trying to envisage that right now. <laughs> I mean, that's the most disturbing part for me. That is the most that's disturbing part. That's worse than part. Screaming Bear. That is worse than Screaming Bear. I mean, nice John with slick back hair bringing us like baked cookies or something that he's just got out of the oven. That oh, is mental. a secret mission and do that. If I ever slick back my hair, that means I've had a breakdown. 100%. Okay, cool. No, and you turn up on your Harley Davidson as well. <laughs> <laughs> jacket. Um, so basically, Area X, we understand that um, Kane is extremely sick and that they are studying something which they term as the Shimmer, which is an area that is um, growing larger and larger. And everyone that goes into the Shimmer apparently does not return apart from Kane. And once again, I'm doing the inverted commas thing. Man like Kane. Man like Kane. Um, and Lena at this point is, you know, to be fair, as I said, her jobs and skill set is actually very useful for this situation, having been in the mm. army and also studying the sort of way that life creates itself from a cellular level. What a coincidence. She uh, joins a team, a team of women, which is an interest. I think that's an interesting plot point to discuss the fact that the whole team, yes. the expedition going in are all women. Um, and they sort of say... Um, once we're introduced to all of these characters for the first time, they sort of say that they're the first sort of non-military expedition that's gone in. Yes, uh, Lucy, what do you what do you think about the all-female team? To have a team just of women, but it not really be. I think Natalie Portman's character at one point goes, "Oh, all women," and but it's never like, "Oh yeah, well we have to do it because men are shit and they've all failed." So now the only chance we have is to send women in. They just all happen to be women. Um, and I think the dynamics, they, it doesn't seem to have the same stereotypes in the team. But I do wonder whether or not, not wanting to jump ahead, but you see some footage of the previous team and the shit that's going down is incredible. And you wonder, like, would that have ever happened to the women? Would they have ever resorted to that? Or is there a, like a difference between men and women that have prevented that? Oh, well, I think... Uh... 
they definitely would have resorted to that had it not been for Scary Bear. I think we were pretty much getting to the, mm. the point of the video camera, which we'll come on to because I think that's one of my favourite scenes of the film. Uh, John, thoughts on the female team? I mean, just a bit of context here. Um, I know you were disappointed and you didn't really feel any emotion towards the characters, mainly because... At the start of the film, the way that the film is structured with the alternative narrative that they're playing with, we know that Lena is pretty much the only survivor as soon as the film starts. So I understand that the jeopardy from your perspective is sort of taken away there because you understand that they're not making it back. Um, But it's interesting to note that in the book, there's even less sort of backstory for these characters. Well, they're just known by their job titles aren't they yeah known by their job titles correct so like there's like botanist and medic and you know physicist and then lean as the biologist i think um marketing and marketing yeah pr <laughs> uh <laughs> finance you know all, Receptionist. All, all the teams if you've sent in numerous military teams and they haven't come back presumed missing or dead why are you now sending in a team of scientists like what the fuck? Like, what's what's the what's the thought process behind that? Here's my thought process. Have you seen Predator? What's this got to do? Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. No, I'm saying that some alien life forms they might interpret um, scientists differently to soldiers. Yeah. Like, and they're thinking that their thinking might be along the lines of the fact that this shimmer might be intelligent. It might because we're sending. Um, soldiers in they could just be shooting at something (laughs) and then it's coming back at them whereas i think and this also to me it struck me as a last resort it's like okay so what can we do we've gone in with that gunfire with you know fire and blood and that hasn't worked what's the other option okay let's actually think about this they want to know what this thing is what is it it it's not doing anything yet that we know of we want to find out what it is go and get scientists in there they might be able to extract information they might make it out which is fine send scientists in there but fucking hell send some sort of tactical team in with them well i think you'll find that lena was also like a soldier yeah she can fire a gun she wasn't even supposed to be on the fucking expedition yes but she went in in the end (laughs) well that's the that's the point i'm saying like what's the thought process just oh right um is rambo around oh yeah he's just turned up we'll send him in as well like it's a nonsense absolute nonsense so the all-female team head in and they all have, like we said, uh, titles or roles. They're not literally called like that in the film, but they all have different um, scientific jobs within the team. Um, and they enter the Shimmer. Uh, mainly Lena wants to go in there because she wants to try and help Kane. Uh, she believes that a source to the source to f- helping Kane is, is inside the Shimmer. Um, and as they venture into the Shimmer, we're literally then just woken up into this world just like they are a bit dazed and confused and they they don't know how but they've been there for days or a week or so they, they've lost their memory of sort of entering the shimmer mm. um they're very disorientated and we as viewers at the same time are also very disorientated because we're seeing this through lena's perspective and whilst this is all going on we are getting these flashes throughout the film um of lena's sort of past with kane um which adds a little bit of context to their relationship as well as Lena's sort of thought process behind her husband and why she wants to help him. Maybe she feels guilty about a lot of things that she's done. Um, John, you said you didn't like the flashbacks to her having an affair. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. Okay. Why Why did you not like those? Well, because now immediately I'm like, right, so the only reason she's trying so hard to 
help out her husband is just guilt. She's just guilty. And and what sort of a, what sort of a driver is that for what is supposed to be the not necessarily the hero, but but certainly the protagonist of the film is kind of like, well, I don't really care if she dies now. Well, you know she doesn't. Well, die. Adultery is not punishable by death, you know. I'm not saying there is, but it but it is important for me if if I'm gonna be like, yay, go Lena. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives her character. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you. I think we're going to disagree quite a lot in this podcast already. Um, I think it gives her character a lot more sort of an just depth. A, a depth a bit more normal she's a gray character i i personally love those characters more so than you're out and out well, let's root for her because she's such a lovely person i i actually prefer it when characters are given a bit of you know a bit of history the, the flashbacks i thought were interesting because it showed her and kane's relationship degradate you know degrading um at times like just the little signs of it um, and it also showed the very loving scenes between them and obviously the affair stuff. And it made her character far more complex and it made me question why she was doing it. Um, and I don't think, I don't think it was guilt necessarily. I think it was, she's looking to make, make up for what she had done, but at the same time prove that she definitely, you know, she does love her husband yeah. and, and she was, she, she made a mistake that's to me what the film was trying to say about her relationship. Um, but I can also understand how you're coming at it from your way, John, because, you know, she isn't a very likable character, to be honest with you. Um, and she was more real, I think. I yes. Mean, like what you said, Len, about like these perfect characters. I think sometimes you get that when you have like a, a strong woman in air quotes again, like in a film, and they're very unrealistic because all they are strong and they're kick-ass whereas with her she was a bit a lot more layered and I questioned her motivation a lot and the fact that she kept um the identity of like her husband secret from the others I understood why but I also thought you know that's quite manipulative that's quite deceptive there's there were layers to her character and I questioned her motivation more than once watching the film yeah and as and as the film as you progress in further and further into the shimmer and they start losing their sanity slightly. Mm. All of these flashbacks and things get muddled up, and it drives you towards this point at the end of the film where where she is emotionally, and even in the end final scene, which we'll talk about, which is also very interesting. Mm. Um, so it's it's a sort of descent into madness, and That's her so character funny you unravels. Because this film, I've just I was just thinking it. It reminds me of the film The Descent. Great film. Parts of it. I mean, that, the, it's with got... The protagonist with a past, with the flashbacks, and the deterioration of, like, the relationship between the team of all women, as yeah. much as they were all friends and there Very was a lot of stuff going on. But it actually really reminded me of that. I, yeah. It reminded me of a film, I couldn't think of it, and it was just when we started doing this, I was like, it's The Descent. Yeah. Like, female relationships and just yeah. the guilt and keeping stuff Keeping from secrets other. from each other. And I think if, if anyone listening to this hasn't seen The Descent, please go watch it's it. So because scary, but, it yeah. is easily one of the best horror films made in the last 10 years. Mm. It is very, very disturbing. Mm. I would describe this film as disturbing at times, but not horrific. And The Descent is a truly horrific, disturbing yeah. film, um, but it's excellent. So... Uh, if you've got claustrophobia, don't watch it though. Um, but go check it out if you haven't seen it. But that's a very good point, Luce. I didn't thought about that. Mm. That's a very good, uh, very good reference. Very similar, similar themes going on. The, basically, the goal of the mission is to head to what they term the lighthouse, which is where they believe the source of the shimmer uh, is. It's where the area started expanding from years and years ago. I think they say it's like three years or something. 
um, since it first started. And along the way, there's several, I'd say, major points that they, you know, levels in a video game, if you were, that they get to. The first one being uh, the giant alligator scene. Uh, what did you think about the giant alligator scene, Luce? I thought the alligator could have been a bit scarier and a bit more... Fucked up. Yeah. It's like it's bigger and white. It's not... It has like concentric levels teeth. of teeth. I think the uh, I think the point was that the further they go in, the more mutated the things are supposed to be. I think if the first thing they came across was some kind of a hundred foot like gator monster thing that breathed fire, you'd be a bit like, "What the fuck?" You'd immediately you'd immediately leave, and then that would be the end of the film. So this is when uh, we sort of get the impression of what is going on in the shimmer or we get the first um inclinations of what is going on in the shimmer to do with the refractions as they're called later on in the film mm. and the fact that later on you know we get told or they figure out that whatever's in the shimmer is just literally refracting everything radio waves dna um light literally to just fuck up everything and mutate everything um and this is the first mutation and as you said john the further in we go we get the impression that the mutations are going to get worse and then we even hear at this stage of the film the reference to duplication um Mm. which is an extremely interesting point which we'll come on to in the third act the next big uh checkpoint that they get to is the uh cafeteria or mess hall or wherever the soldiers were previously stationed and they leave the uh, videotape the, the women discover the videotape, which is uh, for those who follow. And in the moment, you know, this is this is a fucking great scene. Um, John, what did you think about this scene where they play the videotape uh, and this very horrific thing that you see? So disgusting. Like, and again, I'm not having a go because, you know, good, good science fiction will always have these kind of body invasion scenes, I guess. Um, uh, I mean, I would use the phrase "it turned my stomach," but it did with that guy as well. So, you know, it was uh, it was disgusting. Like one of the worst things I think I've ever seen. Just this big wormy intestinal. Uh, it was rank. It was disgusting. Yeah, and this plays onto the sort of science. I mean, I love this sort of science fiction. Um, the body invasion stuff, like you just said. <laughs> I, mean, my- I bet you do. Yeah. One of my favourite films ever is uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, I just love everything about it. There's a lot of elements of that in this as well, with the mistrust between team members, um, the sort of mutations. The mutations are extremely similar to The Thing at times, and I'll reference the body of the man with the moving intestines now. Um, So the great thing about this scene is the way that they can just go check out the body straight away. I love that. I love the fact that they're literally watching... And Lena, especially at this point, is watching her husband go mad, open up someone's stomach who then has moving intestines. And then they can just literally put the camera down and realise, fuck, that happened here. They go through to the swimming pool um, and they see what has happened to this guy. He is just a pile of legs. And then this crazy floral thing. Yeah, coral. Yeah, coral. John Carpenter body transformations happened where his skull is like fractured one way. I don't know if you guys have seen the thing recently, 
but there's the bit where they discover the creature and its head is like split in two and there's like elements of human skull everywhere yeah and just the same things happen on the wall here and i was just like fuck that is terrifying something about that is just so scary it was awful and but when i first watched it obviously now we're like discussing it um when we see the video it didn't I didn't immediately think, oh, he's gone mad. I, I got that he was trying to, like, it was almost like, look what's happened. Not, oh, my God, I'm going mad and, like, you're, like, I'm going to kill you. It was, he was, like, Oscar Isaac's kind of smiling and he's like, look, told you. Like, That's what mad people do, Lucy. I know, I know he's mad, but it didn't, you find out, like, obviously, as they get further in that it's all, everyone's kind of disintegrating. Yeah. But when I first watched I thought he was more, like, this is what's happening. Like, this is like evidence of what happened rather than I'm going mad and I'm just going to like cut this guy open. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love, uh, I love found footage horror films and just to have that little element of this in the film uh, is great because I don't know if you guys have ever seen a film like Event Horizon, uh, which also... Oh, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah, which also, you know, I love mad science fiction shit like that. I just love it. I thrive on that sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, and stick it, that it, on the poster. N- yeah, another another sort. Of, there's so many references in this film. Like you could literally, it's cherry picking science fiction greats along the way, and just the things that I think it's doing. Um, I know you don't think it executes them very well, John, but you you must be able to see the influences there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have a problem with that. It's just it's all happening to a group that I couldn't give a fuck about. To yeah. Be okay. And that is a fair fair comment there. I I completely accept that as a genuine thing because. To be fair, the, char- the characterization of the women, as I said in the book, is even less. And in this, they do try to give a bit of context to each of the characters and say about their past traumas and why they're going into the shimmer. But I can completely understand that you don't necessarily have the same emotion attached to these characters. Oh, my God. What, what's, what's happened? Oh, um, what's, what's her face from finance is dead. <laughs> oh, did she put my invoice through before she died? Yeah, yeah. Have they sorted payroll out yet? Yeah, oh, Jesus. They, they camp there for the night, and that is when we are first introduced to um, the bear, as it were. The first um, sort of, well, the second mutation that is attacking them. So they had the giant crocodile. I mean, it's a who's who of giant animals at the moment. Um, you had the giant crocodile, and now one of the team members, Shepard, is taken away um, by the bear. And we hear her screaming in the night. You see the bear. You you don't really. I mean, see some like glowing eyes. Yeah, you see something snatch her. um, But we later know it's the bear. But um, and we hear this horrible screaming as she's taken away. And that's it. Yeah, the first team member down. Um, At that point, you got to be thinking what the rest of them are thinking, and uh, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, So they decide to move on in further into the shimmer and trying to reach the lighthouse as they continue moving in uh they they find the abandoned village where um they sort of moved people out of they said they mm. had you know evacuated the area um and we get the sort of next iteration of mutation that we see yeah are these amazing flower people um <laughs> you know and they're not hippies you know not saying they're hippies but you are literally have people who have it looks like amazing gardening work has just gone on. Someone's made these amazing sort of sculptures, sculptures out of flowers and vines of these people. It reminded me of, you know, you see images of like Vesuvius. of You see images of Vesuvius and people that have just frozen in time. Yeah, that they, is. Like there's that. something yeah. that's happened to them. There's been some kind of catastrophe and 
they're left where they were and they'll be there forever. But it was a much more beautiful image because of the flowers, but I think it's the same thing. They've died and they've turned into something else and they're going to be there like that forever. Yeah. The imagery was really nice. Yeah, the imagery is great. And it's this beauty again uh, that we're seeing. Uh, you know, the, they had this thing like saying, how was how have these plants formed like this? How do they have this humanoid form? And that's when they come across uh, the idea of refractions of DNA and that everyone's DNA is now infected or changing or becoming something else. Yeah. Um, really interesting. I think it's just fascinating to have this sort of bubble where everything that's within the bubble has the ability to be anything else, mm. like the ability to change. Um, and as we said, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And I think the film at the end leaves it very open. But they uh, they decide to camp in the abandoned village. And this is when we get one of the... <laughs> there's several disturbing scenes in this film. But this is probably... This is probably one of the creepiest things I've seen for a long time. Um, yeah. Which is the bear. Um, so after examining uh, their DNA, Lena discovers that it is true. All their DNA is changing. And one of the team members... Um, Anya examines her, looks at her hand, and like you said earlier, John, and like we saw with the intestines, mm. uh, she sees fluctuations under her skin, like the mm. like her body changing and literally moving before her own yeah. eyes. So she's obviously descending into madness, rightly so, because it's you know very disconcerting thing to see. And she also <laughs> discovers that Lena has been carrying a picture of Cain around her neck this yeah, whole time. A locket, and that you know is where the whole mistrust section comes into play because Lena has not said anything about her emotional connection to the previous team that had gone in before. Yeah. Um, she ties them all up, and then chaos happens. What, uh, Lucy? I know you were affected by the bear in more ways than one. What do you think? I, I genuinely thought it was one of the most horrifying things um, that I've seen on TV. I felt like it was such the ultimate violation of nature to have this zombie bear zombie zombie yeah. emitting these tortured distorted screams of the the last victim and it was just and you know what else it was the she hears the scream Anya and she runs off and it's almost like well it is the bear is using these screams to get more victims and I just think Mm. The violation Clever. of of a, of a body. We saw the body of of Shepherd, and then the violation of like the memory, and that's all. Now that's all that's left of her is her her dying screams. That's like tempting her friends to their death. I thought it was just mm. horrific. The execution of it. I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I just when I realised what was actually happening and what what those sounds were. It was just so horrific. It oh, was yeah. just a horrendous moment. Yeah. It's uh, good. Very like good. That. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big horror fan. Um, I've not seen anything like that before. Um, I've not seen anything. It was so fucked up. Like, just... When... Well, I guess, like, a predator. Because he, he mimics, doesn't he, in, in the hunt. That's what he does. And, and obviously, the, the bear is... I mean, it's like a contrast of... If you get a hunter that is out and making um like duck duck noises or whatever yeah yeah spot on that have you got a, a special device have you no that's just uh i'm just, just a very skilled hunter 
yeah, trapping my prey like the bear. No, it's fucked yeah. up. Um, the moment when the bear, they're all tied up, obviously, because they're about to go full camcorder, as in reveal intestines moving and all that shit. And then the bear obviously interrupts that, um, that from happening uh, and then walks into the room. Just the image of this, there's this front on image of the bear when it opens its mouth and there's horrible screams that come out. I think it's in front of Josie's character. I was just like, fucking hell, that is horrendous. Mm. I was watching this film at like a weird time, like two in the morning. I don't know why I was. And I was in my, on my own and I love horror film stuff, so I'm not usually that scary. But I was like, I was like, that's just, that's just fucked up. I couldn't believe it. Great special effects uh, and amazing idea. I don't know who came up with the idea. I don't know if it's in the book. Yeah, I don't know if it's Alex it's Garland's just... imagination, but wow. But uh, Josie, Ventress and Lena uh, still survive. Uh, Josie has this interesting conversation with Lena. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess we're kind of meant to think that she accepts just being a flower person and like just letting the shimmer transform her. So yep. I think that's what we're meant to get from that scene. I would have liked yeah. to have seen her transform into a flower person. Well, I've watched it twice now. And as she walks off, you see all of the roots start you appearing see, on her like, arm. She has, She's we, self-harmed, she self-harms, isn't she? so she has scars. And you see that they're turning green. And do you feel like maybe it's a form of healing for her? Form of healing. Because we said it's not always horrific, the, the changes that happen. Yeah. So maybe for her... She can feel it, these changes coming. And they've obviously all been fighting it. And she says, you know what? As we said, I'll just end it all. But she says, I'll do it on my own terms. And just living as a flower sounds all right, really. Yeah, it sounds all right, living as a flower. Being your screams echoing through a zombie bear for the rest of time. Yeah, I guess. Be a flower. Yeah. And it's just a very interesting concept. And now I guess we kind of understand that the flower people are just people Mm -hmm. who have given in to the shimmer or who have been mutated by the shimmer. Yeah. There, there were definitely definitely points of of this film where, if I could have the choice of continuing to watch the film or transform into a plant, <laughs> I'd go with the latter. Oh my god! It's, I can't believe you're so harsh on this film, John. But it's fascinating. It's such a good film. It is such a good film. <laughs> So we come on to the third and final act, um, titled The Lighthouse, which is where they have been travelling. Uh, Ventress has gone off her head and Lena makes her way towards the lighthouse. And this is where the film, in my opinion, goes from being a four-star film to a five-star film. She approaches the lighthouse um, and we see there's loads of interesting things here. So many interesting things. The first thing we see is an array of skeletons uh outside the front door which is mm. so interesting because we have no idea what happened to those people yeah what did right? happen what do you think what happened yeah they? like guys what what are those bodies just laid out in quite a ceremonial fashion yeah like the, the rib cages were in one part and then the skulls are a different part so they've been positioned like that yeah they've been the positioned by something maybe the alien has I positioned think. them like that mm. but anyway let's let's get in this lighthouse let's get in the lighthouse shall we we get into the lighthouse um and this is just great stuff. I'm loving the use of the camcorder again. Um, we get in the lighthouse. We see that something has landed 
in the lighthouse. Uh, we also see the meteor at the start of the film, which helps contextualize this. And uh, we see a charred body up against the wall. Um, again, like Vesuvius. Yeah, again, like Vesuvius. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Um, and the video camera positioned in such a way, such a horrific sort of found footage way, um, like videotaping this person burning themselves well, alive. It's very good the way they do it because you see her, she goes in and she sees the body. Yeah. And then the camera sort of pans and then you see the video camera and you're like, yeah. What happened? We're gonna. We're about to see. Yeah, we're about so to that see. That was very, really good filming. I think. I like the way that these video cameras in this uh, shimmer just have unlimited battery life. Mm. That's what I like about them. You know, the battery life's been refracted. Yeah, refracted battery life. Put into something else. Um, and we see that it was actually Kane that has burnt himself alive, and also videotaped himself burning himself alive. He loves it. Bloody can't get enough. This boy. He, I think he wants to be a movie star. Mm. John, thoughts on um, the cane burning situation? <clears throat> I was more intrigued by the like his accent. Yeah, his accent yeah. was bizarre. So then it's kind of like, well, I mean, is this really him? Because he suddenly has like a southern twang. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly thought that as well. I, I, was like, I, like, I had to look it up afterwards just to make sure I wasn't going mental. Um, and that, and yeah, and that's been confirmed that he, he genuinely had like a different voice and it was like well all right so who's is this him then or is this someone else is this like uh, i mean are they oh well, yeah i mean are they both doppelgangers as well like you know when she presses play in the video camera um we get this very quick flash of images before we see him burn himself which is and scary figure. Yeah, I'll describe the images. There's basically an image of Kane crawling in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the image of the, I'm going to call it orb thing that Lena ends up staring into. Yeah. Then there is also an image of a scary silhouetted figure at the top of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, and at this point, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And then it all sort of, <laughs> I don't want to say it becomes clear, um, but you sort of understand. I've watched it twice now and you sort of understand what has happened or what is happening with this alien being. Um, so Lena, after being extremely disturbed and discovering that Kane has burnt himself alive with a phosphorus grenade um, and has a doppelganger, um, she crawls down the tunnel and she finds Ventress. Why would you? I mean, why would you crawl just, down the tunnel? Just, no, just, <laughs> just, just leave. Just leave if you can. Um, Lucy, what do you think about the Ventress scene uh, and the sort of? This is where you know it does really go a bit off the wall. Yeah, it does go off the wall, and I have previous and struggling to understand films like this sometimes. But from what I took from it, when you see Prentice. Ventus. Ventress. The Apprentice. When you and, see The Apprentice <laughs> and Alan Sugar's there. And it's like a uh, morph suit with a wig on. So the face is all kind of... Yeah, that's that's weird, isn't is, it? Is all metallic-y and yeah. looking up and has no mouth. So at this point, you don't know really know what that means. No. It's like, I don't understand why she's like that. But we will come to realise that she is now a, a copy and I'm not sure why all this stuff came out of her mouth. So I can't really shed any light on this or the I energy. Shed any light. Very good. I think what we're supposed to take from this, and I think it is massively open to interpretation, is the fact that this alien being wants to 
we don't know what it wants, but it basically just replicates whatever is brought into its environment. And Ventris, I think, sort of didn't duplicate like the others, but took took boy. on the being. Maybe because she was ill. Very good point. Maybe because she was terminally ill. She it was could, like, no, self-destruct. It, I don't want to be in your body. Yeah, it didn't merge with her the way mm-hmm. that it did with Kane and the way that it did with Lena. Yeah. Um, so she literally explodes yes. <laughs> into a pyrotechnic, you know, beauti- beautiful display. Um, and the music's very, you know, very weird at this point. Mm. I'm loving all of it. Um and she even says, like, the na- she said the name of the film, guys. She said Annihilation. That made me laugh. That did make me chuckle. I have to say, that piece of dialogue was poor. Um, needless. Needless, yeah. Expositionary. Do you want to know something interesting about the word Annihilation? And In the book, all of the team members have been hypnotised so that if they ever hear the word Annihilation, they kill themselves. <gasps> Why? I just... I just don't know but i just find it fascinating because that is just what they're programmed to do just to end it all like you said john end it all on your own terms right well unless someone else says the word annihilation is that why the book is called annihilation that's why the book is called annihilation okay and the book is obviously uh, the first in a trilogy uh of southern reach the southern reach trilogy so uh it has it goes other places than where this film goes. This film just sort of follows the book closely, but then diverges and takes its own path and has a definitive ending. Well, a definitive end. They're not going to be more of these films is what I mean by that. The the ending is definitely not uh, open and, you know, an open and shut, a closed decision. I mean, there's a lot to talk about the ending, but um, so she explodes after saying annihilation, which does not mean, that the people kill themselves here because that would literally be the end of the film. Oh, for fuck's sake. Lena's going to shoot herself in the head now. (laughs) Yeah. um, And the giant orb appears um, and this is where you get, I'm getting those 2001 vibes, John. I know you hate that, but I'm getting those 2001 vibes. I see where you're getting that from, Len, I have to say. I'm getting the visuals. I'm getting this tunnel. It's the bafflement. It's the... What it, what is this? What it, am I meant to know? What this orb is? Like, yeah. Am I meant to know what this plinth means? Yeah. Like what? What, what is the monolith? What is what, what am I seeing? Why are there monkeys with bones? Yeah. Yeah. So I get what you mean in the. If, uh, you I mean, mean comparing that, comparing that orb to the monolith. Jesus. Are you telling me you see no visual, no visual comparison between the tunnel, where the the, the after Hal and everything. Spoiler warning for 2001. Spoiler warning. Where, where they, he's literally travelling down a translucent tunnel or a wormhole or something. Are you not seeing a visual I'm not, I'm not comparison? Not of course I do, because fucking 2001 is like... Has inspired almost everything since. So, yeah, of course I do. I mean, you'd see that in hundreds of films. What I'm saying is that this this film is not going to be like inspirational to the next hundred years of sci-fi filmmaking is what I'm saying. So Lena then looks down at the orb and we're getting the vibes, the science fiction vibes. We're getting the science fiction vibes. That's what I'm going to say now, because if I say 2001, John's going to go off at me again. Um, you look at, it's going to looking at the orb crazy. If you're like on drugs or something, this is visually going to take you to another mm. place. I mean, if you're on mushrooms, you, you need to have someone in the room with you at this point. Okay. You need some, you need some protection. You need a guide. 
yeah? Basically, Lena looks into the orb, a drop of her blood gets inserted into the orb, and we see the replication of cells happen extremely mm. fast and the creation of Slender Man. Ah, <laughs> it's like Disco Slender Man in his little, like, metallic catsuit. <laughs> Disco Slender Man. I mean, this has to be one of the most terrifying sort of embodiments of an alien I've ever seen. I don't you know why. Under the Skin? Yeah, I love that film. It reminded me of that. It's the, very... The, the form of the alien. Yeah, I have to say, it was just... It was slightly creepy, right, John? It was, yeah. Um, but again, I think like anything that... It's, it's because it's got nothing for a, a face. Yeah. yeah. It's just face nothing. It's, it's Slender Man. It's, so what's it, what's it thinking? We didn't know if it was evil. That's the thing. I was like, it was unsettling to see it, but I wasn't convinced that it was evil. Yeah. I still don't think it's evil. No, I don't think it's evil. It's just... What is it? What does it want? What's it going to do? Why is yeah. it doing these weird, like, slinky dance moves? Was my yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, and this is where, as I was saying, you're either in or you're out usually with this sort of thing because the Slender Man, Disco Slender Man, we'll just call it Disco Slender Man from now on, um, sort yes, of um... mimics everything that, that Lena is doing, but not perfectly. It's like learning mimicking, mm. if you get what I mean. Like, it's just slightly off and it's, is trying to literally learn her movements and anticipate. It's like an anticipation of what she's going to do next. Oh yeah, but it's like what a baby would do, wouldn't it? It's just like it's just intrigued. Exactly right, John. It's this it's, newborn. It's, it's this newborn thing that is trying to understand itself, um, and it was like interpretive dance. It was like this weird, really weird, beautiful scene, um, and I think a lot of people would have switched off at this point. To be honest with you. I would, I, you know, I was like just captivated by it, but a lot of people could have easily switched off at this point. Um, and she is able to trick it, I guess, into burning itself alive or something like that. Are we to and are we to take from this that she is still her and the duplicate died? Is what I'm trying That's to say. What I thought, and I felt that it wanted to kind of touch her basically as in oh jesus <laughs> i mean it's natalie portman so come on i mean yeah she sort of touched it gave it the phosphorus bomb and then <laughs> oh. it was like fine and then she got to escape and because it had touched her Ooh. it didn't chase oh yes touching's funny <laughs> touching's always sexual she tricked it into holding and killing itself and destroying the shimmer as we understand it right mm. I'm not convinced that fire would destroy it and the shimmer, though. I found that phosphorus a bit... grenade, though, isn't it? Yeah, but pretty burns, pretty bright, as we saw with uh, Caney nice, Boy. Nice and bright, but I feel like it was. I know. I mean, burn them all is my like advice. Whenever they're Targaryen, like, that's a, a second Game of Thrones reference in this. Burn them all and fire and blood. Hey, I know, I she's just, a Targaryen. I just miss it. She's I know. a Targaryen. Well, my point is that you know, if you watch like I don't know one of these shit films about an enchanted doll, and it's like burn it, just anything evil. Child's burn play, it. yeah, yeah, or Annabelle, burn it, burn it, burn it. I think it's a stylistic choice, isn't it? Yeah, it's a visual. Yeah, it's a very good it just visual. Looks great. I mean, it, it might be more interesting the idea that uh, Doctor Ventress, the fact that she had cancer, uh, and it tried to replicate that, and then. It just ended up killing it. I agree with that. I, I do think what you just said there is, a, is potentially what happened to the alien being is very interesting. 
maybe the cancer that she had infected it so that when it duplicated Lena, that duplication wasn't perfect and then it killed yeah. itself and mm. etc. So it's so fascinating. Like, you know, you could take this end scene any which way you want to go with it. Like, you, you, yeah. you could be like, Lena killed herself and the duplicate survived and we we just don't understand what happened there. Yeah. You could be the other way round. You mm. could also say it was Ventress that infected it. It was the fire. It was, you know, the fact that it accepted that it was damaging the world and it wanted to kill itself after it understood Lena's position. There's so many things that you can take from it. Maybe it was just like, there's no way this film's getting a sequel. So let's just end the film here. So Lena, Lena escapes and you get this amazing imagery of the lighthouse burning down and these cool, I don't know what to describe them as, icicle trees. Um melting and like visually this film is stunning like i there's things in this film which i never thought i would see um and after seeing them i was like wow i just never that is want just to see them again. never want to see them again like the zombie but there are other things like the, the beauty of this film that i keep referencing is so there like just in the special effects and these icicle trees melting like and this whole world just burning away in front of lena's eyes um and she escapes. She escapes a shimmer. And, and we know that because obviously the structure of the film at the start, she is uh, talking to the scientists, explaining her journey through the shimmer and why, funny enough, she can remember everything when no one else mm. can remember anything. And she asks about Kane. And now we come on to Sergeant Kane. Kane in quotation marks once again. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Are both of these people duplicates? When Lena embraces Kane, do you think that we are seeing the alien not win? Because I don't think it's necessary goal is to win. But are we seeing the start of Annihilation, the end of our uh, existence? Is this like an Adam and Eve of this weird genetic disease? Symbolically, it's, it's 100% supposed to be Adam and Eve. But I feel like he is... I mean, he, he has no idea who he is. He could be like the third or fourth or fifth version of Cain, which would make sense. Uh, and again, if you come back to the Cain and Abel stuff, I mean, what? The, we see a scene where two of them, one convinces the other to kill themselves, basically. Now, obviously, I know that didn't happen with Cain and Abel. He just bashed him over the head with a rock or whatever it was. But uh, spoiler warning for the Bible. Um, uh, Old Testament, I think. I don't think she is, I think she's still her in as much as she's like now a new version of her. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're looking at the original Lena that went in, but we're looking at her as completely genetically modified by the Shimmer at this stage. GMO. She's, you know, yeah, she's, she has taken, she's seen things, she's experienced things, her DNA has changed. She has elements of the alien within her. Um, as much as he does to an extent, um, or whether he is just he is just a, a duplicate. We understand he is the duplicate, or like you said, John the fifth or sixth iteration. And we are seeing it. Alex Garland does something very interesting in his science fiction. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of his other films, like Ex Machina, yeah, um, which is an amazing, amazing film. If you haven't seen that, please go check it out. That was his direct toil debut most of the time he's been like a script writer for Danny Boyle on films like Sunshine which is one of my favorite science fiction films but he always has these endings 
uh, or it seems that more often than not he has these ambiguous endings that really challenge the viewer and make us question the morality of them and whether it's a good ending it's a bad ending what the ending you know what is the right emotion to have it always leaves I always end up leaving the film going I just don't know how to feel about that mm. you know and that, that's why I think this film has a has a great ending um it stayed with me for days I don't know if you guys were the same with that like I mean the bear will stay with me forever the bear um, <laughs> the bear I'm will not be joking. with you forever that's the worst thing ever given that the shimmer died uh in as much as it, it can die I guess um that kind of end scene it's it's a pun isn't it it's like a shimmer of hope very good yeah so that, that I think that is genuinely what it's supposed to be I think it's been a very interesting podcast to discuss what we think these things mean and the visual nature of the film and all of the connotations between what we're seeing in the shimmer I've just wanted to talk to people about it <laughs> because it's um... yeah which is yeah which is uh, understandable and, and look for the most part most most of the people that in fact, nearly all the people that I know have seen this film uh, enjoyed it, which is uh, possibly what makes it even more disappointing for me to have de- dedicated my time to watch it and then do a podcast on it. Yeah. Come on, do you feel like now that we've all discussed it, has your opinion of it changed at all? Like, Have you like warmed towards it slightly or do you hate it even more? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, look, uh, I'm uh, I'm impressionable, but just hearing myself get annoyed about it makes me even more annoyed there was a review from this uh this guy um i won't quote him but uh he said he'd, he'd read the book um but the film's a plotless mess that takes some of the weirdness from the book but removes literally all of the story more an impressionist painting than a film skip um now and i kind of i get that and and some of the because I do enjoy reading uh, a negative review um, because it cheers me up to know that there are other people that were as annoyed as me. And for the most part, um, the uh, the bad reviews are people that have read the books. So that's it for Annihilation. Uh, a very split opinion here on the podcast, uh, but that's a good thing. And it's always good to have a polarising film like this where we can discuss what we thought that everything was. I think we do a quick blueberry rating, uh, which is our which is our scale. Um, our scale, it's out of five, and you can't have half a blueberry. It's the way we rate everything. Um, uh, I'm going to throw it to Lucy first. How many blueberries would you give Annihilation, Luce? Um, I would give it four blueberries out of five blueberries. Four out of five, that's pretty strong. Throwing it over to John. Um, I'm going to give it two blueberries. Thank God, I thought you were going to give it one and I was about to kick off. I'm not going to give it a one. I I like the music. Um, That is good. That's well done. Nice. I'm going to go for five out of five blueberries. I think um, for me, this is the sort of science fiction that I love. I loved it. I loved all the questions. It, it made me think, but I'm still thinking about it now. I've seen it twice. Love it. Um, and it's a shame that I never got to see it in the cinema. And I do think, honestly, I, I know you'll probably disagree with this, John, but I, I think 
the studio missed a trick with this film. I think this is one of those films that will be talked about in the future, especially when talking about science fiction. I think it will not saying it not saying it's going to be anywhere near as revolutionary as say a Blade Runner or 2001 in terms of what it does for the genre. However, I do think this film will have a massive cult following. I do think that in the future it will be a cult science fiction hit. Like it's a film that I think will pick up a lot of traction over time. And I think it will be talked about, um, which is why I'm glad we're talking about it so that people can always look back and remember yeah. how much you hated it, John. And then in 20 years time, you'll be like, I love that film. When it's the new 2001. <laughs> you'll be loving it, mate. You'll really have egg on your face, won't you? Yeah. But anyway, that's it for the Annihilation podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, please do subscribe to our channel. We are on iTunes. We are on any other podcast app. Just subscribe and then the episodes will be automatically downloaded uh, as soon as we release them. We usually release a podcast per week uh, and we're coming into a very busy time. Uh, we are about to finish up our Walking Dead uh, podcasts. We will boo. Yeah, boo it, but we have a lot of fun with it. Um, and to be fair, this half season has been a marked improvement Uh upon the last half season. Uh, but we're also going to be covering a lot of things in the coming month. We have a podcast on Ready Player One, which will be released just after Easter weekend. We, yeah, that's going to hopefully be very good. Spielberg's latest uh, film. I'm hoping it will have lots of Easter eggs for us to discuss. We're also going to be doing an Isle of Dogs podcast, the latest Wes Anderson film. On top of that, we're going to be covering Westworld Season 2 in April with our new separate podcast that we're setting up for that. So we'll give you more details on that as soon as we have it. And we're also obviously going to be covering, I think, the biggest cinema event of the year, Marvel Avengers Infinity War. Um, We'll be covering that extensively. We'll have a preview podcast and a podcast after the film. Spoiler-filled discussion, everything comics, everything Infinity War. Follow us on all social media channels, fan underscore critical on Instagram, fan at fan critical pod on Twitter. I'd like to thank Lucy for being with me today. You're welcome. I'd like to thank John for being with me today in his little grumpy mood. Give it me. <laughs> uh, and thanks, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed Annihilation and I recommend go watch it again. Go and watch it again. Watch it again. Thanks, guys. Not. Save yourselves. Stand by the Confusion has its cause Love isn't lying, it's loose In a lady who lingers Saying she is lost And choking on hello Oh